Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life, with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hey there, and welcome to the Best Practices in Human Resources podcast. I'm Brenda, the HR Lady, and I'd like to thank you for listening to the show. Uh, This is an award-winning show, and this year we received the Bronze Award for the Best Business Podcast in both the Stevie's American Business Awards as well as the Stevie's International Business Awards. We've also been fortunate enough to make the top 10 uh, in the slate, and we didn't win the full award, but we did wind up um, coming in the top 10 nominations for the pot- People's Podcast Choice Awards. So uh, this is a, it's an awesome show. And if you're a first-time listener, welcome. I'm here to help share with you the what and the how in human resources because I'm in the human business, and that means that there's a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage. Now, if you're a returning listener, thank you so very much for coming back for yet another episode. And I'm really excited about what we're talking about today. This has actually been the first time in a very long time that we don't have a guest, but we're doing a repeat of a very popular episode that took place last year. And we're going to repeat the topic, but everything, the content is going to be different. And that is what questions are your employees researching? We got a lot of really positive feedback on that. And uh, we're going to get into that here in a little bit. Before we do, we're going to jump in and do some poster updates. We've got some employment law changes that are happening across the nation. I'm going to share with you also where you can get access to this uh, to these links and these call-outs or these articles so you can actually take a look at them for yourself. And then I'm going to actually uh, share with you how you guys can connect. We've got some also uh, some pretty cool things coming down the pike as well. So before I forget, folks, the information that is available through this podcast is in fact for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any form of legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respects to any particular issue. And if you do not have an employment attorney, you may go ahead and reach out to me and I may be able to refer one to you uh, through our friends over at Jackson Lewis. Okay, so everybody's favorite, posters updates. Um, I get a kick. The folks in the Next Gen Women in HR group, I've been informed they love the fact that we do poster updates, so I keep it. So we, we always do poster updates in the very first month of the new year, of the new month, not the new year, but the very first month, uh, first episode of every new month. I knew it was going to come out. And so for those of you who are in the following states, you guys have poster updates, and you can visit our friends over at Labor Law Compliance Center. And you can actually, if you go to the uh, our website at Brenda the HR Lady, go down to the very bottom of the of the main page and the very first page that comes up, click on affiliates. You can get a code where you can save twenty five percent on your posters from our friends over at Labor Law Compliance Center. Okay, so following states: Colorado, Virginia, Illinois, Mississippi, Wisconsin, Nevada, Texas, Oregon. New Jersey, and New York. 
That's again, that's Colorado, Virginia, Illinois, Mississippi, Wisconsin, Nevada, Texas, Oregon, New Jersey, and New York. Like I said, you guys have poster updates. Again, jump over to our friends over at Labor Law Compliance Center. If you don't want to get any, if you get any kind of like that harassing mail that comes through and it, it has this panic written message on it, it's like, your posters are out of date and you're going to, you know, it's like, you know, you're, you're not legal. It's like, they don't do that stuff. That's the reason why we work with them and we think very highly of them. So I don't believe in uh, having any kind of threatening and fear-mongering email or mail coming to you guys especially with it just throw that stuff away okay if you get those emails delete those emails tune in here because we're gonna we're gonna tell you really what's going on okay so employment law changes across the nation we've got a couple of national articles for you and uh, call out and then we've got some updates for some various states california is the biggest one on the list as normal and uh, so here we go. So there is an article out there. Uh, again, you can find this on the Brenda the HR, Brenda the HR lady.com. Click on podcast on that website and you'll be able to see these links um, now. They'll be up there for about for a week until our next episode comes up. All right. So it says, Dear Littler, what are our voting leave obligations? So I highly recommend you guys check that out. We've already got enough stuff going on in the universe right now as it pertains to the election. Don't let your company get hung up by what is going on with voting leave and what your state obligations are. Uh, next, we've got one called Shallows and Carpooling for Manufacturing Employees During a Pandemic. Um, also, there's some an article up for commercial property management considerations in the new COVID-19 reality. And lastly, the Department of Labor has published a proposed rule on independent contractor status, meaning hopefully it will make it a lot less complicated to figure out, do you have an independent contractor or are you actually uh, having a W-2 employee around? Uh, over in California, the governor has signed legislating, uh, legislation extending safety-related retaliation protection to domestic workers. <clears throat> they have also, the governor's also signed legislation requiring provisions and maintenance of personal protection equipment for healthcare employees due to COVID-19. There are also some new law, man, uh, new law mandates, trainings for human resources, employees, and others pertaining to child abuse and neglect. AB, ni AB 979 has required California-based public publicly held corporations to diversify their board of directors. And also AB 1731 has offered much needed reform to California's work sharing program. There's also a new law that mandates the California OSHA's infection prevention outreach to agricultural workers. And the governor has also signed a law amending requirements for harassment training requiring and requirements for minors working in, in the entertainment field. California has also expanded protection for employees who are victims of a crime or an abuse. And the governor has also signed another bill to ease work sharing difficulties or ease work share difficulties. And lastly, the government, I think that's the last one he signed. Nope, we got one more after that. So second to the last one, that the government has signed legislation expanding uh, the labor commissioner representative representation to arbitration. There's a new California Family Rights Act that dramatically expands employee rights and employer responsibilities. Also, kin care law amended which was recently amended to permit employees to designate sick days as kin care or personal sick leave. And lastly, this is the last one that the government has, the governor has signed legislation regarding sexual harassment training requirements for minors in the entertainment industry, which I called out a little while ago. So we got a double dip on that one, but that's okay. <clears throat> that's apparently that's quite a big one. So we don't want that. 
over in Connecticut. Connecticut employers, now it is time to get ready for paid family and medical leave. And then also the Connecticut Department of Labor has issued final regulations on the state's new tip credit statute. Over in Maine, the Maine's Department of Labor has released final rules for earned paid leave law. Over in Michigan, uh, there's uh, three executive orders relaxing gathering restrictions in reopening cinemas and requiring face masks for kindergartners. Over in New York, there have been some amendments to the New York City paid sick leave and, and safe leave law that has gone into effect. And the federal court over in Pennsylvania has held that Medical Marijuana Act provides private right of action. And then lastly, over in Philadelphia, they've expanded entitlement to paid sick leave for workers who are not covered by the FFCRA. And that is what we have for employment law that is hitting across the nation this week. There are approximately 2,500 members of the U.S. Special Operations Community who transition out of active duty military service every single year. The Honor Foundation has dedicated its mission to serving these elite individuals on their journey to prepare for life once they take off the uniform. In the past few years, we've begun our own journey to reach this number, launching three physical campuses in San Diego, California, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and near Wilmington, North Carolina, along with a virtual campus to reach members of the community anywhere on the planet. I spent 26 years in the special operations community as a SEAL. I graduated from THS program, I served on the board of directors, and now I'm proud to lead this organization into the future to continue assisting these transitioning service members and their families. Our dedicated team, our world-class program, and our incredible tribes of supporters are standing by to help THF alumni and future fellows, and are committed to providing the best possible support system and resources to better serve this community. Our vision for the Honor Foundation is clear to impact every transitioning service member from the U.S. Special Operations Enterprise through our programs and support, and to be a catalyst for overhauling the entire DOD transition program. It's a big task, but the community deserves it, and we're driving full steam ahead to make this a reality. If you've been inspired with what the Honor Foundation's done in the last five years, I welcome you all to join us as we craft the next chapter in defining what it means to serve others with honor for life. Okay, so today's episode, like I mentioned before, is kind of a flashback. We did this before last year and got a lot of really great feedback on it. Didn't want to repeat it too quickly, so decided to hold off on it and uh, actually wanted to do it at the beginning of the year. And then COVID hit, so here we are. (laughs) Just kind of all the programming that I wanted to do at the beginning of the year kind of got pushed to the back because of everything that was going on with COVID. And You know, it's just nice to take a break and think about other things other than COVID, COVID, COVID. So, so these questions I have found, they're open source questions. Um, There's no names attached to them. Some of them have been actually, you know, posted anonymously on Q&A boards. And, um, and they, they, they stem from the employee point of view. And the reason why I put this information out from the employee standpoint is so that you guys as the employers really understand what goes through minds of employees. Now, they may not necessarily all go through the minds of your employees, 
But this is the kind of stuff that employees are constantly looking for answers on. And these are con these are questions that are not out of the ordinary. I've seen them before. I've heard them before. And so this just kind of gives you the mindset of the employee. And usually, as I have found in my own professional experience, that there's some level of attachment to these. Uh, they've done these things. They're asking because they've got, you know, a little skeleton in the closet or something like that. It's not uncommon. And so, um, you know, we're going to, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys what my impression is of these, what I, what comes to my mind and how I would approach the situation. Sound good? All right. So here's the first one. So what are the methods managers use to make somebody quit so they don't have to fire them? Okay. So there is something called constructive discharge, which companies have to be very, very careful about. And that is if you or a manager, you in general, right? I'm using my air quotes here, are making the environment unbearable so that the employee resigns on their own. That is constructive discharge. It is unlawful. So you want to be very careful about that. But there are some things that you can do that employers do within the margins that make the position less appealing, um, especially if they're trying to get an undesirable employee out the door, somebody who has a lot of risk. And this actually could be one way that some employers can just make things happen. One of the best methods that any company can do to, if they're really wanting to see somebody go, is hold them to the standards, and but you have to hold everybody the same standard, right? A lot of the times, employees become disconnected and disengaged because they are not being held to the same standards. There's no structure. There's no guidance, right? Um, and they've just, you know, they, they to them it's just punching a time clock, and they have no commitment. And, you know, you're going to find a lot of that in frontline. But if you've had a loose environment and uh, you're not really quite sure how to make an exit with somebody, you know what? Holding people accountable for their work, especially when they don't want to be held accountable for it, is one of the best ways. It's one of the safest ways you could possibly use to have somebody influence them to make an exit. Um, but you know what? At the same time, you're holding people to standards and there's nothing wrong with that kind of talent rotating out. Some methods that managers do use is, um, and this is one that you really have to play your card very, very, very carefully. And that is just asking the employee, are you happy here? And do we need to have a conversation about you not coming back in because you are so miserable here? That you have to really know when to play that, that hand. Um, other methods that managers uh, can use uh, to exit somebody, either voluntarily or involuntary, is performance management and combination of using the annual reviews, which I am an advocate. The annual reviews do work. It's just employers don't put as much stock or they don't train or they don't fully utilize um, annual performance reviews or just performance reviews. So the, all those combinations of things can certainly, can certainly work. All right, next question. Do employers read through your emails after you leave? My impression of this is only if there's a reason to do so. Um, th there's a lot of people coming in and out of the company. And unless there's a reason for people to go in and look at somebody's past emails, 
they're not going to sit and make a case study out of your email account. But um, emails, you know, there's been a number of times where I've replaced an HR person or we've been working with, you know, on a project with a, somebody that was attached to this and we had to go in and find those emails uh, that, you know, make the, had the, we had to get the job done. So we had to go back and actually look at the history. Um, I have done investigations to where um, we were suspecting an employee of behaving in an unruly manner. Um, and so I had to go back and evaluate emails as part of the investigation. That does happen. So, but it's not, I mean, you have to have a real reason to go back in because we've got everybody at work is working. So there's a lot to get done. It's not something that on average people would go in just for the sake of looking. Typically there's a reason for it. All right, next question. How unethical is it to complain about a coworker's job performance? Well, in my opinion, I don't think it's unethical to co- to voice your concern about a coworker's job performance, particularly if it's directly impacting your ability to get something done. However, I think it is a waste of time to constantly complain about a coworker's job performance if it doesn't impact what it is that you do. And so, I mean, let's just face it, we got some people out there that just, they're born to complain. But then, you know, you also have people that are genuine in their feedback. So there's nothing unethical, unethical, holy cow, I made a new word, unethical (laughs) about providing feedback. There's, There's nothing wrong with that. Feedback, feedback is a gift. But if it's just this constant complaint, you know, trying to cast doubt or shadow on somebody else. Um, if you're doing that on a regular basis and uh, for the sake of doing it, then basically I think uh, people are going to start to take a look at your performance as well. And that's like a little conversation I've actually had with somebody in the past. I <laughs> gave them that little piece of advice. <laughs> it worked. All right. Next question. What are the three things that hiring managers would prefer that you didn't know? Well... <laughs> That's a good question, and and, and I'm, my impression when I read a question like this is that there's one genuine curiosity involved with the person who's writing it, but this person's probably run into something to where they've, they've picked up that the hiring manager is like hiding something, and it's probably a gut instinct, but, you know, this could also be somebody looking to you know, pin their own manager on, on, you know, what are they not telling the employee? So what are the three things that hiring managers would prefer that you didn't know? Well, if it's a bad environment, they're probably not going to talk about that. Um, They probably are not going to tell you how many, uh, tell an employee how many candidates are being interviewed. Matter of fact, um, if anybody asks that question, you just smile and just say, now we've got a couple and we're narrowing it down. I would not ever give anybody any information about how many people, men, women, backgrounds, or anything like that who are interviewing for the position. Um, one, it's none of their business. Number two, you're opening yourself up because peop- whoever's asking that question is fishing for information to just nail you with it. So I'd be very careful about that. All right, next one. And this is a doozy. And, and uh, we've been having conversations around this um, off the air uh, in regards to this because about a week and a half ago um, became 
uh, I saw some statistics on the number of COVID cases or COVID-related cases that are being litigated across the nation. And so the question that was posted, did your employer pay your full salary during the COVID-19 lockdown? And this one was posted anonymously. That question makes me nervous. <laughs> Not from my standpoint. I'm, I don't have any employees, so I'm good. But that question right there <clears throat> is clearly somebody's fishing for information. Um, the Department of Labor is very, very serious. And before anybody gets conspiracy theory on me here, no, I am not suggesting the Department of Labor has posted this question. Um, but somebody is fishing for some information and will likely reach out to anybody who answered on, this, on these job boards. And so not paying an employee their full wages during a COVID-19 lockdown um, when they were lawfully entitled to it is a real bad thing and if you want to go to battle with the department of labor withhold somebody's pay uh, both at the state level and at the federal level because they will both come after you and they will come after you really really hard so i find it interesting that um, somebody's posting that question out there clearly they're looking to see what else is going on trying to compare and contrast <clears throat> and possibly even stir up a little bit of trouble Okay, this is always an interesting one. <laughs> and there hasn't been a work environment that hasn't experienced this at all. I mean, there really hasn't. I'd be surprised if, if there has been. And the question was more of a statement, and then it was a question. So, I think two of my coworkers are sleeping together, and that's against company policy. Should I report them to HR? That's what some people are looking for so you know how well do you guys have a pulse on what's going on in your in your close personal relationships with your with the company that you work for um especially if it's a company policy that is it could be a situation where it's a supervisor subordinate it could be a situation where two people are together and they both um, can have some form of influence over their position or their pay. And, you know, that's, to me, this is the kind of question of somebody who's, who's seen somebody, who's seen something, and clearly there's a conflict of interest involved somewhere. And that person's just kind of dipping their toe in the water and trying to get you know, kind of like a general idea. Should I or shouldn't I? And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's vague enough, but it certainly can stir up quite the imagination. Okay. All right. So this is, this is a good one, too. I really actually like this one. We can really talk about this one. This question came back as, My manager says she's not able to keep my position anymore, but asks me for a resignation letter. Am I fired or did I quit? So this is a perfect example of employers and managers getting too creative uh, in, in the world of employment law. <laughs> so there's, there's a, in the Navy, any, there's a term for people that like to spout how much they know about the law but really don't know about it or jag, you know, the articles of, uh, of you know, law within the Navy and they're called sea lawyers. And in this situation, if a manager has made the statement that that person is not able to keep the position anymore and therefore asks the employee for a resignation letter, um, 
I think this employee, if they're asking this question, actually kind of has, they have a position that they can stand with this company because uh, that's conflicting. It's very, very conflicting. So you got a manager who says, well, we can't keep your position, which is insinuating that their position is going to be eliminated, um, that the individual uh, could be entitled to a severance package, and that the relationship of the employment is going to end on behalf of the employer. But then the manager flips it around and requires a resignation letter from the employee, thus forcing the employee to resign. Now, if this person did it, then the company has forced that person to resign without being clear about it. Now, we've all seen the really cool movies to where, you know, a high-level executive comes in and in lieu of firing them, the company says, we will go ahead and accept your immediate resignation. And that's a, in the movies, that's a saving face move. And that doesn't necessarily work in the real world. Uh, in the real world, uh, you know, that kind of move can actually violate, potentially violate an employee's rights. <clears throat> and depending upon the state, those things are kind of specific. Um, but nonetheless, this is an example of a manager who has either gotten bad guidance and direction or number two is acting on their own and really doing this wrong. <laughs> so if the company is going to be letting an employee go, let the employee go. If the company is... Uh, requiring somebody to resign before they let go, be very clear about that. And then if the employee is just flat out resigning, then then that's what it is, right? So interesting question. Okay. Yesterday, the directors of my company, all millennials, followed me following an incident with a client in which I may have said that if they didn't like our country's laws, they could leave us. Was I wrongfully terminated? And how do I fight this? Okay, well, to ask this, to answer this kind of question is very, very vague. So first off, uh, reading this, some people may latch on to the first section of the statement, the directors of my company, all millennials, fired me. If you're stuck on all millennials, you're not looking at deeper into this question. So let's take that part out. <clears throat> the directors of my company fired me following an incident with a client in which I might have said that if they didn't like our country's laws, they could leave. So if, some, if you are posing a situation where you may have said something, is it possible that you probably did say it? <laughs> so, so this is telling me that if you got somebody that is asking the question, of which I might have said that if they didn't blah, 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 more than likely the person probably did it and they're sa trying to save a little bit of face here on the, on the computer. First off, this is also a situation in which we've got some employee bad behavior. Even if you might have said it or they haven't said it or they flat out said it, this, this tells me that the employee needed more guidance on what is deemed appropriate and professional in the workplace rather than not. So this could have been based off of a training issue. It could have been, look, and there's some people that you just can't train, right? But um, I think there's more to this story than meets the eye. And the context of this is that I think the company was likely wanting to protect themselves from a potential discrimination. So 
by simply saying if they didn't like the country's law, could they leave? Like this, this nation right now is fiercely divided and fiercely on edge as to what you see in the media. And we see it on social media and whatnot. I just got done spending 25 days driving around the country. And I can tell you right now from my observations that um, people are still very nice. They're, they're still very cordial. I mean, I just traversed, a, what, 15 states. <laughs> so, and I stopped in every single one of them in multiple places. And um, I didn't see that hotbed of uh, intensity uh, as I've been driving around. And I've been in big cities and small communities, so I've, I've been around a little bit right now. But what we're seeing on social media and areas to where there is a lot of strife, is it possible that that could be taken out of context? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it could have been somebody just simply making a joke. So the, the answer to the question, was I wrongfully terminated? Couldn't tell you, don't have enough information. Is it possible? I don't know. We'd have to hear both sides of the story because we all know that, you know, there's two sides to every story and the truth lies somewhere in, in between. How can I fight this? Well, you, you, we can't, nobody could tell anybody how to fight this if we didn't know what the whole situation is. So that one still is a big question mark. But that also tells me there's a lot of underlying issues uh, with that individual. And, uh, you know, inappropriate conversation is high on top of the list. <laughs> so... Okay, so you own a large company and you just hired a manager who has improved production and morale. Fabulous. She is brash and aggressive, but an asset. Okay, so other managers resent her, resent her, excuse me, and have dedicated their time to getting her fired. How would you address the issue? Well, first and foremost, if you have other managers who are dedicating their time to getting her fired, you need to do a little course correction with those other managers. Um, that is a huge risk right there. So you've got people that are trying to get her fired. So constructive uh, discharge right there off the top. Hostile work environment, possibly, right? Um, if she's brass and aggressive, but yet she's improving production and morale, that kind of tells me that this company needed a, a real kick in the backside. And it's this, this is the response of how this is the reaction to other managers and how she's working with them. Doesn't seem like this woman is here uh, to make friends. She's here to get the job done and help the company take the next step and be successful. Sometimes you need to have brash and aggressive in place. You just do. Now, there's brash and aggressive. And aggressive, probably more assertive is a better word. Because um, I don't understand how aggressive is being applied. But... Clearly, that person's an asset. When you've got somebody who's being brash and being a jerk, <laughs> like a flat-out jerk, not aggressive, but being, um, you know, just nasty, uh, downplaying individuals, right? You're going to know if that person's going to be a jerk because morale is not going to go up. Morale is going gonna, is gonna to drop. So, to me, this sounds like, what needs to happen is that the apex leaders of the company, the high op leaders, need to sit down with the managers and say, listen, I am not here to help you guys manage your relationships. We've seen an improvement in production and morale. And this is largely in part to the talent and the, and the things that this person is putting into place. We have got, you guys have to figure out how to work together. 
and I think you need to do some team building. And and this is this is not an easy turnaround. This is going to take a long time to fix. But I think the more that people understand each other, um, wh- whether they get along or not, but there be some point in time becomes a a step where people will actually at least respect the other person's position, meaning that they understand where they're coming from, why they're doing what they do. They don't necessarily agree with it, but you know what? They find that consensus to where they can actually work with it. And I think that really should be the focus in a scenario like this. Okay, here's another one. This one plucks my HR nerve. All right, my former employer fired me after learning that my husband and I both had cancer. Okay, right there, that is a lawsuit. <laughs> uh, he was ter- his was terminal. Big lawsuit. The owner made me come in two days after his funeral and fired me. Would you proceed with the lawsuit with no disciplinary issues? Yes, I absolutely would. Um, I, I think this is a legitimate situation. I think this is a situation of an individual who, quite frankly, just doesn't doesn't really fully know what to do. Um, but yes, if if the employer has terminated an employee after learning that they have had cancer and that it was terminal, um, there's a different approach to this. This they if the company's in fact done this, then they've completely opened the doors to uh, liability, and it needs to be addressed. All right, next one. Can I sue my place of work for inputting my social security number incorrectly? Ooh, that's a good one. After contacting HR, corporate, and my own boss, no action has been taken. Okay, so I honestly don't know if somebody can sue an employer for accidentally inputting the social security number incorrectly. However, there is a significant problem which this may very well become a civil situation, and that is those taxes are going to get re- are going to be reported incorrectly. So more than likely, that is going to fall under a civil tort, um, and that simply means that uh, there could be an opening for damages. That's basically what a tort is: <clears throat> is where an individual's civil liability or civil rights have been violated. I don't know if misclassification or, or misconstruing somebody's social, social security number is in fact a, a violation of civil rights. It certainly is a problem with accurate and reporting. So that's a good question. However, if this person has contacted HR, has contacted corporate, their own boss, and no action has been taken, um, then, you know, it may just require a labor attorney. Now, there's a difference between a labor attorney and an employment attorney. Employment attorney works with companies. A labor attorney works with employees. So a labor attorney actually, um, if I were in this company and received a letter from a labor attorney saying you have X number of days to comply with this, I would get my attention. So, um, but yeah, but that's, you know, again, another reason why you want to have checks and balances throughout the year. You want to do audits, especially at the year end. You want to make sure that, um, you know, you're putting that information out there. Um, we're also, um, yeah, because if you don't, you're going to be reporting uh, incorrect inf- tax information to the wrong social security number. And that is an absolute disaster to take care of. So, okay. 
This was <laughs> this was an interesting one. When HR terminated my colleague's employment, they told him it was illegal to tell a potential employer that his leaving was a mutual decision, air quotes, and they told him that it would was not a mutual and that he cannot say it was. Would he be breaking the law if he did? Well, no, actually he wouldn't be at all. Matter of fact, the employer is the one that could potentially be breaking the law under National Labor Relations Act. And the reason why is that... Um, even though even though HR terminated the the employment, um, there's nothing that prohibits an employee from talking about their workplace condition, uh, even especially after they've left the organization as well. So, is it illegal to tell a potential employer that his leaving was a mutual decision? No, it's not illegal. It isn't right. It's probably not in line with the circumstances. But can the employer actually do anything about it? Or should they be saying, you can't say this, you can't say that? No, the employer shouldn't be doing that because that could potentially violate the National Labor Relations Act uh, because that is a protected and concerted activity. So uh, just make sure that, you know, if, you know, if you're listening to this, it's like if it's an employee, they should be telling the truth, even though we know that that doesn't always happen. Um, but it's not really breaking a law. It's just misrepresenting themselves. And, um, you know, even, you know, informing a prospective employer uh, during a background check that an individual uh, is not eligible for rehire. I know here in the state of Virginia, we actually have slander on the books. So we really have to be careful about what we say when we approach something like that. So, no, it's not illegal, but, you know, it happens all the time. <laughs> be honest with you. Everybody's, you know, it's like resumes. Resumes are just a billboard. Uh, they're a little inflated or overinflated, and, you know, it just yeah, it comes with the territory. Okay, last question. So how do employers know if your degree is real or not? Do they take your word for it, or is there a database or something that they have access to that's preventing someone from lying on the resume? Well, first off, nothing prevents anybody from lying on their resume. People lie on their resumes all the time. That's why I'm a huge proponent on having people fill out an actual employment application, because when somebody fills out a well-written, legally reviewed employment application down at the bottom where they actually sign off on it, it states that to the best of my knowledge, the information provided is true and accurate, yada, 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 and all the other you know legal, legal jargon that's in there. That's what really protects the organization. Um, when you've got somebody that's just looking at a resume, there's nothing that indemnifies that. So uh, resumes are just literally a way to get into the door, to get somebody's attention. It's advertisement, and yet it tends to be a little overinflated, okay, more often than not. Now, going back to the questions, how do employers know if your degree is real or not? Well, <laughs> employers are not expected to be subject matter experts on every college, in every state, in every town, in every city, and be able to determine what, just by looking at your background, what is real and what is not. However, uh, during background checks, employers can select, with uh, services that they are part of, they can select employment checks, which I do strongly recommend, especially for highly technical positions, because um, you do want to make sure that people, if they say they're an engineer, that they have an engineering degree and it's completed. 
um, you know, go back and verify that information. I, I would say unemployment and military and military service are the top two that do not get verified easily during employment checks. So people are out there wanting to know there. And I wish I could, I wish I could find it. I've been actually been looking for it for like two years, but there used to be a website that you could go and type in the name of a college or university and it would pop up and tell you whether it was accredited or not. Um, and if anybody knows of this website, please, please hit me up. Please let me know because it's been driving me batty. I learned about it. Oh God, years ago. I think I learned about it. What? 2008. Yeah. And I lost my notes on from that uh, particular event that I was uh, at because I, I saw it online. I just I just don't remember the name of it, but driving me crazy. But yes, there's a way to actually check. You can actually, uh, when you're doing a background check, if you don't have a service that you're enrolled in and you're doing it yourself, you can actually call the registrar's office or the bursar's office of the, of the school and find that information out. They may not give you all the dates, but they can at least confirm whether or not the person has graduated. So there you go, folks. Those are some questions that employees are out there looking for asking. And a uh, big question is, what is going on with that? A while ago, I added a health segment to the show because it has come to me that in this COVID environment, people working remotely, I mean, first off, HR people, we already operate in a very sedentary environment to begin with. And you know what, in the years that I've been doing it, I get excited about stuff, but it impacts my sleep and excited, both positive and frustrated, but it always impacts my sleep. Um, I'm so committed to doing really good work that I tend to not pay attention to what's going on with me. And so I, I, I went on a personal health kick and I actually wound up losing 25 pounds. Um, I've just spent 25 days on the road and that was a, an interesting challenge as to how I'm migrating with that. So there are some things that I'm doing and using that are actually helping. And you know what, that's the spirit of this whole podcast is to provide more information to you know, give you guys the opportunity to adopt things that work in what it is that you do in the field of HR. And, you know, I've got a couple of products that I use, um, Naked Warrior Recovery products, absolutely awesome. We had Will on the show, and, you know, the retired Navy SEAL who's actually developed this product line, awesome guy. And then, oh, Smashing Greens, which is a very nutrient-rich greens formula that I use and I've basically replaced one or two of my meals a day using this and I get way more, uh, way more nutrition out of just having one uh, greens drink uh, than I do just having a salad during the lunch. And um, it has made huge, huge Im improvement. Um, you know, I, I'm knocking on the door of 50. <laughs> which I'm not really happy about, but I am. And uh, I'm constantly told that I don't look at, which is really good. But most importantly is that the things that I'm doing are positively impacting my sleep. And I've started focusing in on my recovery on a day-to-day -day basis. And so my skin has gotten better. <clears throat> uh, my attitude has gotten better. I feel like I'm doing better. I've been very fortunate not to get sick throughout this whole pandemic 
And, uh, you know, my line of work does tend to take me in front of people. And that's much like I said, I was traveling. So I'm, it's doing really well. And I want you guys to know, I don't get paid for doing this. This is not, I don't get paid for sponsorship and stuff like this. I mean, you know, Will sends me some products and, you know, Mitch over at uh, MASF, uh, you know, they treat me really well over there, but I don't get compensated for this. And, but most importantly is that these things, that these products, um, help me manage stress. That's huge. I'm, I'm a stress eater. I always have been. And that's something I've actually learned about myself later in life rather than earlier. And using these natural products, I sleep better at night. I focus better during the day. And I've seen massive improvement with my overall health by making small adjustments to my routine. So if you guys get a chance, hop over, Look at what's going on with uh, Naked Warrior Recovery, and the website for that is nw-recovery.com. Um, we'll put that up because you didn't think people wanted to type in naked and search for that, which I don't blame them. And Naked Warrior goes back to the tribute um, uh, to the history of the Navy SEALs. And then Smashing Greens is uh, over at MASF. And that's Mitch Aguilar Smashing Frog, and uh, both really incredible products. So Definitely, if you're looking to make small adjustments and get better sleep, not feel like your body is inflamed, um, then that's a phenomenal feeling to have. So you guys know I love having questions sent to me. I'm foregoing the questions because we just did a whole episode on uh, you guys having to listen to me <laughs> about what I see going out there in the world and what kind of questions are going. So we're going to put a pause on that. But I do have a cool event that is coming up that I want to share with you. It's a free event. And this is going to be the last time that I'm going to be offering this event at no cost. So we are putting together an HR Summit. It is going to be November 9th through the 13th. In it, we are featuring Suzanne Lucas, the evil HR lady, and my co-host over at The Real HR Show. Suzanne has been a contributor uh, to Inc.com. She's written over a thousand articles uh, has been doing this for quite a while. <clears throat> really, really great lady. We also have Tay Nelms, and she is the uh, she is a former HR professional from the Bellagio and Treasure Island hotels over in Las Vegas. She's going to be be speaking. We're also going to have Steve Watson. He was a former guest on this episode. He is a chief financial officer, and he's also a founder of an organization called Trendbusters. And Steve loves to dig into the math and help companies figure out how they can save money on their benefits. He's absolutely awesome. He's going to be talking about the five benefit hacks for 2021. And then yours truly, I'm going to be coming in and talking about a couple of subjects. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be a really great time. So mark your calendars, November 9th through the 13th. Uh, we are going to air one hour a day for five days, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You do need to go in and register. And we're going to have that inform the registration information up on my website over at brendathehrlady.com. And, um, and then you can go ahead and, and join us. It's just, it's going to be fantastic. So every day we're going to be giving you some really, really powerful free nuggets of information uh, to take with you. And it's going to be, it's just going to be a smash hit. Really, really looking forward to doing that. Um, we are still having awesome real conversations in real time with real people over at the Next Gen Women in HR Facebook group. It's our community. Um, 
always constantly looking to figure out how to shake that up and make it more exciting every day. It's an awesome group of women and men who are growing strong and growing fast. And I can speak for the group and share that we would love to have you join us and get into the conversation. Just make sure that when you go to sign up, that you answer all the questions. If you don't answer the questions, you'll get a love note in a messenger reminding you to go ahead and do so. And then after several days, if you aren't able to go back and do it or you don't respond, um, we're gonna we're just gonna graciously pass and then you can go ahead and reapply. We have true, honest HR people in this group. What we don't have is we don't have solicitors. We don't have spam. Everything that we do is really focused around uh, HR. And so the folks that are in there, they're dedicated, they're just like you, sitting at a desk. A lot of them are an HR team of one, trying to figure it out, trying to figure out how do I become an HR manager? How do I become an HR director? How do I do this? How do I get buy-in with the leaders of the company? How do I not operate in a vacuum? So a lot of really good, awesome information that is there. You can also follow me, but before you do, <laughs> I'm going to ask that you guys do me a favor, hop over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast and please leave your five-star review. I would really greatly appreciate it. And if you know anybody who's over in HR or manager or somebody who's kind of partially doing the job, you know what, share this, share this episode with them, share the information with them and let's help, let's get them some help. And now you can follow me. <laughs> As I jump ahead in my script, sorry. Uh, you can find me over on Instagram and Facebook at Brenda the HR Lady, where I share more about what is going on and what I'm up to. And if you'd like to connect with me professionally, you can find me over on LinkedIn at just by using my name, Brenda Neckbottle, and that's spelled N as in Nancy, E C K, like the thing you want to choke, V as in Victor, A T A L. Like I mentioned earlier, I co-host another show called The Real HR Show with the evil HR lady herself, Suzanne Lucas, and you can find us over on yeah, and, uh, YouTube over there. Lastly, you can jump on the website at brendathehrlady.com where you can read up on the new updates I called out earlier in this episode by clicking on the podcast uh, link up at the top. Just simply visit the website and you can get all of these week, uh, this week's articles. While you're there, click connect at the top of the page and you will get my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. One of the things that we do now on a weekly basis is that we've got questions that are uh, you know, asked and answered inside the Next Gen Women in HR Facebook group and really good ones. We put them into what's called an HR soundbite. That is a quick video response and that is over uh, in our education center over on the HR University. And we send that information out to our mailing list every week. So you guys get a lot of really great information coming at you. And uh, we'd just love to have you guys jump into the community. And man, it's hard to believe. It's just another episode went flying by. So thank you very much again for joining. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Have a good one.